know where our coffee is. It's outside to the left. Ingest it, okay? When the band gets here, when the band gets here, and we get here a little bit early, but, you know, the number one thing is usually not the lights, it's just to plug the bun in. So we can get here and, and we can get jazzed up. I tell you what, I want to I want to share something. Uh, my name's Matt. If I if you haven't met me, if it's your first time here, my name's Matt. I'm glad I'm glad that you're here. We're going to talk about a, a story that may or may not be familiar with with you. Um, it's it's we're going to be talking about the parable of the good Samaritan. As I studied this week, I thought, God, <laughs> I've I've literally, and I'm not I'm not a scholar, okay, but I've I've probably literally heard this story. 500 times, probably conservatively. I know what happens. You know, the cool thing about God's Word is the more that you study it, sometimes the more He opens your eyes to see different things. And this morning, I hope that that's what He does with you. Don't, don't just click mute because we're talking about something that you're familiar with. Really, really, really dive into what we're looking at this morning. It's the fourth Sunday of the month, and it's not in your worship handout, but I want to remind you, it's the fourth Sunday of the month. Uh, If you're not from Connection, this isn't for you, okay, this is not for you at all, but we're going to take our Touch Someone's Life gift offering, and that's where people of Connection give their change, and that's some ones, and some people just give more than that. And what we do is we we collect an offering at the end of the service, they're going to bring the offering to me. I'm going to select two people, or three, depending on how many, or one, however many we have. And then that person is going to go out into wherever they live and work in this community. Okay, you ready for this? And they're going to give them a bag of money. Sound good? I mean, if you were walking through Walmart and somebody came up to you and said, Hey, um, here's, here's a bag of money, what would you say? So, but I've, I've, tried, I've, tried to give away, I've tried to give away money before to help someone, and they say, well, I don't want any part of it. What's the catch? This is the world that we live in. So we're seeking to be relevant because everybody uses money. We're going to talk about money today in, the, in this parable. But if uh, the people are going to take the offering, we just come. Uh, we take the offering in popcorn bags because we have a lot of popcorn bags. Okay, wow, that didn't go over well. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and, go ahead and take the offering. And I, and I want to I preface some stuff before we get going here. If you have your Bibles, we are eventually, and I say eventually, I mean before noon. We're going to be in, in Luke chapter 10. Okay, and they're just going to keep taking this offering, but I really want to to share with you just a brief glimpse in what this offering can do. I recently talked to someone on the phone, and they said, Matt, I haven't sat down and wrote you the email about the story when I've given away the money, but I've got to tell you right now or I'm going to explode. And I thought, well, I don't want you to explode, so tell me. So... So on the phone, this, this gentleman says, he said, listen, he said, this is completely out of my comfort zone. I don't talk to people that aren't related to me or I don't know. And I thought, wow, what, what, what is God going to use to get this guy out of his comfort zone? And, and he took this bag into a local store and there was this lady and she was dressed, in his words, she was dressed to the nines. She was dressed like she works uptown, okay, very nicely. Drove a very expensive sports car. And he said, I, I just felt the Spirit of God come on me. And he said, you are to give it to that person. And he said, I argued with God. He goes, she has money. Why do you want me to do something and it doesn't appear rational? 
That's the, that's the whole thing. God ever asked you to do something that you didn't think was rational? Because you use your rational mind and your mind is not like his. And, and this guy walks out to this lady and she's getting ready to get into her expensive automobile. Expensive. He told me the brand. It's expensive. She gets ready to get in and he said, I have to talk to you. And she turns around and she says, she says, what? Now here's a guy dressed probably a lot like me. Walking up to a lady that's dressed up like she's going from work in an expensive car and said, Hey, God just wants you to know that He loves you. And our church took an offering and we just want to bless you with this money. She immediately became crazy emotional. <laughs> you see, the lady that was dressed up to the nines in the sports car, we don't, we don't know the behind the scenes story. We don't know why God puts us in a place sometimes. But that lady began to cry. Almost uncontrollably, my friend said. And he said, I just I tried to offer whatever I could offer as far as condolences. or what, Can I pray for you? Can I hug you? Whatever. And um, she said, she began to explain. A lot of times people will begin to explain this. And she said, I just went through one of the most awful divorces you've ever seen. And I spent my entire savings on court costs. And I didn't have enough money for groceries. See, this is how cool God is. Because we, we, we see things on the outside, just like in this story. We see things on the outside that should make sense. We should help, yet out of nowhere, He guides us to do something else. Now, absolutely, the story of the Good Samaritan, as we're going to talk about, it's about doing good for people. It is. But we are going to take a little... I mean, I really, 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 really dove into this. I, I want you to see what we're going to look at today. So we're going to look at a verse before, before we turn to your Bibles. Look on the screen. We don't have time to go back and forth. But look at Galatians 5.14. Look at this. Now this is said numerous times in the Bible. And this is Paul writing. He says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now this is not, this is not left field for some of us that grew up in church. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you've been in kindergarten before, they teach you the golden rule, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. But this is the same thing. And we think, ah, oh, so elementary. God is beyond complex, yet He's utterly simple. Simple enough to just offer us a gift of salvation through His Son, yet He's so complex. I mean, have you ever had a, had a two or three or four or five or seven or 18 year old come up and go, hey, how do you know God's real? If you want to get into a question, how do you know God's real? Has He ever come to your house and eaten Fruity Pebbles with you for breakfast? <laughs> probably. If He does call me, I want to meet this guy face to face, maybe. But probably not this side of heaven. Okay? So we're, we're looking at this, this huge verse that Paul says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul's encouraging a church in Galatia that's doing this. Now, before anybody goes, well, Matt said connection, you're just going like, I didn't say that. This is what Paul is talking about. Now listen, these people, these people are backbiting and they gossip and they slander people and they don't follow all the rules and they sin. Oh, wait a minute. We could very well be talking about any church in this globe. Okay? The, the sin doesn't cha hasn't changed. And Paul is encouraging him. He says, listen, if you want to see God move, love your neighbor as yourself. Quit doing what you're doing. Your mom and dad ever got on to you? <laughs> <laughs> just they very calmly walk up to you. Maybe it, was anybody a tapper or a, a foot bouncer? And I was a tapper like big time. I just would just tap everything. 
And he'd kindly walk up to me. And, or maybe it's a friend of mine in youth group and my leg was just bouncing in youth group. He goes, will you please stop? Paul was saying, will you please stop? And he was encouraging them to, to do this. I want to ask you a question today. Throughout this sermon, you, you answer in, inside you, okay? What motivates you? What pushes you? Success, money, whatever. What, what pushes you? Paul, Paul is saying to this church in Galatians, he's saying, hey, what makes you tick? What makes you tick? What motivates you? If love motivates you, you will become magnetic for sharing God's love with people. If love does not motivate you, number one, it causes us internally to have our relationship with Him suffer. When it's all about me. I want you to look at this really close. Because we know this verse. If you've been in church, you know this verse. If, if this is your very first time seeing this verse, it's still hard. Watch this. Loving your neighbor as yourself literally means doing for your neighbor what you would do for yourself. Now think about the comforts that you give yourself. Just, I'm not talking about necessarily all physical and money and monetary things. Think about the comforts that you have. And somebody came in here and said, Hey, it's kind of chilly in here. And I said, You should have been here last week. I had to cool down all week. I got home and I was almost medium rare. <laughs> some, some of you need to drink some coffee. Now, here's the deal. We comfort ourselves. That's a disease that we have. You know what it's called? Selfishness. And God says that... W- Jesus is teaching this parable. And he says, If you can ex- just... Push out love and love people like I loved you. How infectious this would be. Now, loving your neighbor, you think, well, I, I said hi to my neighbor. I don't even blow grass onto my neighbor's yard. I blow it back onto mine. I don't, I don't talk badly about my neighbor. I, we get along. Maybe you have dinner with your neighbor. Listen, this is not talking about your physical address neighbor. This is talking about the people that you come in contact with. But loving somebody else that is not like you is a hard pill to swallow. Especially when that person and you don't get along. And this is where it gets interesting. Some of you are like, oh, where's the mute button? I don't want to hear this. That person at church is very, or that person at, at your work is really hard to get along with. I just soon ignore them. I just soon... I'm going to be very honest with you this morning. I'm going to tell you a story about myself. Number one, I want to admit something. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. You thought this was going to be a one-sided secret. <laughs> no, you're all, you're all, we're all, aren't we? We're all broken. You have it all together? If you do, you should write a book. But you don't. You, you don't. See... Here's the thing. I went to college psychology class. 
If you've ever been in a college psychology class, one of the games that the professor likes to play is, I'm going to mess with your mind today. Really, seriously. Now you have to think, I'm a 20, somewhere between 19, 20, 21, 22, and I'm in college, and I'm taking this college psychology class. And I'm, I'm really doing what I want to do. I'm playing baseball in college. I'm, playing, I'm having a great time. <laughs> and some of you have told this story before. It doesn't get old. Because I'm talking about the selfish nature of ourself. Our psychology teacher comes in. <laughs> he was about this tall. And I just found it comical. Okay? But he came up and he would, like, so you're sitting here and he would be like this. And think about this story. Every time, I can't tell the story without laughing. And I don't mean any disrespect about anybody that's short. He was just a shorter guy. And his last name, seriously, was Quackenbush. <laughs> so you go into psychology talking about... Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're sitting there. We're sitting there. And he says, here's the deal. I feel very, very, very giving today. We took a test and no one did good on it. He was absolutely right. <laughs> I bombed it. And he said, today I'm going to offer you something. Remember I told you that their favorite game in in college psychology class is to mess with your mind? Now watch this. He gave everybody, probably 30 people in the room, 30 people in the class, and he gave everybody an inch square block of paper. And he handed them out to every desk, and he says, here's the deal. He stood in front of the class and he said this. If all of you right now will write a number one down on that paper, fold it up twice, hand it to to the forward all the way, and I count them all, and you all write a number one on your paper, I will give everybody, not one point, I will up your grade by one percentage point, which is a big deal. Big, big deal. Especially when I just bought a test. And he said, however, here's the deal. I know that some of you really put a lot of work in outside of class. You go to practice. You have a fraternity or a sorority. You do volunteer work. You do philanthropic events. You do all this stuff. So if there's just two people, two people I will allow to put a number two on their paper. And if everybody turns to number one and there's not more than two twos, they get the two points and everybody else gets the one point and everyone wins. But if there's more than two twos, there's no points. I'll give you one guess what I put on my paper. Four. No, I put two. Okay, I put two. Why? Listen, I was playing college baseball. I had three practices a day, defense, offense, and, and hitting. Okay, all, all these things. I was doing so much. I, I was dating my future wife. This is important stuff. And I was going to class. I was actually attending this class. Some of you in college never had that problem. I was actually attending this class. And I thought, I am really pushing myself. I want to. So did 28 of our other classmates. Do you think you're selfish? See, that's just, an, that's just a little story about me. But when we're talking loving our neighbor as yourself, listen, I wanted the comfort, didn't I? I wanted that comfort. And Jesus just blows a guy's mind in Scripture today. If you're in Luke chapter 10, oh, I want to get into this so bad. Look at verse 30. Luke 10, 30. I'm going to read the first seven verses and then we're going to go back and talk about it just a second. Look at verse 30 with me. If you don't have your Bible, uh, you can get on your phone. If you don't have a phone or a device, you can check out it on the, on the screen. Here's the deal. Listen to this. Verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. This sounds like a 
Louis L'Amour, doesn't it? <laughs> the Western with a you know, gun shootout. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. And verse 31, By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed on the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of them or him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three, after he finished the story, he said, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. In verse 37, the man replied, The one who showed him mercy. This is a no-brainer, isn't it? Duh. Two people walk by, one person helped. Which is the better one? Duh. Jesus says, Yeah. And he says one of the most... Difficult things to ever do on this earth. Oh, now go and do the same. That simple. That complex. That hard. <laughs> In verse 30, at the beginning of that, it says that Jesus starts with a story. or He, he, he answered, he replies with a story. But we're going to play a little bit like Jeopardy. So what's, what's the question? What's, what's, what's the original question? Why would he tell us this story? And when you look at it this way, it really begins to make sense. It, it really becomes relevant. Before we ask what the question was or find that out, before we answer who this guy was or who was asking this, we need to ask why. Look at your worship handout. If you have this, if you have this piece of paper, there's some, there's some rooms for some blanks and some notes in here. Look at the first blank. Look at this. To show you who this guy was, this parable was told by Jesus to a man that was severely caught up in justifying his actions. You do that? Don't say it out loud. Let me answer it for you. Ready? Yes. Well, that... Hmm. You remember last week when I talked to you about being in a left-hand or a right-hand lane, there being a road closed sign up ahead or lane closed, and there's that person? That flies by everybody in the, in the fast lane. And he gets right to the barricade. And he goes, blink, blink, boom. And we all decide that we didn't like that person. I'm just kidding. Okay? Just kidding. I was going to Fairview Heights this week with my wife. And I didn't mean to. But I was in the lane with no traffic. And you know what I did? I'm just getting this lane so I can go a little bit faster because we're on a time crunch. What was I doing? Last three words. I was justifying my actions. You and I can tell... We can, if you think very, very intimately into your life, you realize the things that you have done wrong, sin, some of those things you have told yourself, I will never do them. And then not only did you do them, and I've done them, but we justified it to where it was okay. Like, I'll never do that. I'll never say that. I'll never do that to that person. I'll never do this. And then when it comes time, we justify, well, that person was mean to me, so this payback. Karma. Listen. You know, Jesus talks, doesn't talk about anything about karma. He says, forgive them. Oh. You know, I'm going to go ahead and push mute on that because I would much rather strangle somebody's neck or yell about them or cut them down than forgive them talking about loving your neighbor as yourself and we've seen how difficult this gets see to justify is to say i'm gonna do this and it's it's the right thing 
It's the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we just tell ourselves and keep telling ourselves and we keep telling ourselves. But this man that Jesus was talking to was justifying his actions. In his mind, probably, in this conversation that we're going to look at, he says these things. I'm right. Look at my position. Look at, who, look at what I know. I'm right. I'm right. And Jesus is so different that I need to catch him. I need to, I need to catch him in a question that we can get rid of him. It would be better off for everyone. Justification. <laughs> comes through his, his words and his actions. Look in verse 25 in, in Luke chapter 10. Just back up a couple verses and look at this. Look at verse 25. Who's the guy? Here you go. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And there's a whole, whole bunch of stuff Right here. If you underline in your Bible, underline expert in religious law, and off to the side, I want you to draw a line, I want you to say this. Someone who can never be wrong. Very difficult to admit I'm wrong, or that they can learn their way or the highway. Now think about that. He's, he's an expert. Now, we are not negating he's an expert because he is. Okay, he's a religious teacher. If you listen to that video, there was a huge emphasis when Jesus said, Sadducee, Pharisee, all these things. He was talking about this man. Okay, He was an expert. Listen, he knew his stuff for real. He knew his stuff. He likely had gigantic portions of the Mosaic Law by memory. Huge chunks of information in his head that he could audibly just expel at any given time. Listen, we, we, I think we would, do, we would do good eating God's Word like the Old Testament people did like that. Because it would do us a lot of good. It would give us a lot of ammo for our life. Something happens in your life. One of my favorite ones. And if, you're, if you've been at Connection very long, and if you're friends with people on Facebook from Connection, you're going to see this when I saw it this week. It says, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. I, I, I need that. That's the right thing for me to do. I'm justifying myself. I said, listen, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Jesus says, love your neighbor. You say, now nah, just love me. It's a vicious cycle. Everybody's in it. And so he, this guy is big time in it. He was trying to get Jesus to say something wrong. Why? Literally, so they could kill him. I'm tired of him. He's been talking about this kingdom of heaven. He's nuts. He, then, he, then he goes on to say this. Probably the guy is justifying his actions because he says, hey, so maybe he has a conversation with his friends. He said, you know, you talk about Jesus? He said, he says he's God's son. You think about how hard this would be to grasp. I, I, meet, I meet with people often. And I have said to people in connection, I said, I have seriously thanked God. Now you may think this is crazy. It's okay. I have seriously thanked God that I was not an Old Testament Jew. Or that I was a person that was alive before Christ died for me. Okay, I'm being dead serious. You know why? Because I'm messed up. I'm a sinful person. 
Now now I get to inherit this death of Christ to cover my sins. But this guy wants him out of here. He wants him out of here. Jesus answers. So he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now this guy said this question probably just like this. Teacher. Number one, he did not think Jesus was a teacher. (laughs) He did not give him any credit, yet he just uses this term to act... To make people think that he's being serious. Uh, Teacher, what should I do? Emphasis on I. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Now the cool thing about Jesus is he doesn't use his own words. He uses God's word. (laughs) And I want to show you something. Verse 26, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Uh Uh-oh, guess what? Jesus knows the Old Testament. (laughs) Much better than this guy does. He said, what's the, what's the law say? The exact question that this guy did not want asked back to him was just asked to him. What's the law say? Oh. Uh, uh. And then Jesus even puts... Man, I tell you what. If you, don't think, if you don't think Jesus has a little bit of sarcasm, just read this. How do you read it? Do you know more than me? Listen, this is the Son of God. Tell me your opinion. (laughs) Please. Being a triune God, I was literally with the Father and the Spirit as the Bible was inspired. So if you think you know better, please just tell me. Think about that. Just tell me how you read it. (laughs) In my notes, I put a little side humor to myself. It says, Jesus knows the Old Testament too. Ooh, game on. (laughs) Okay. Listen, he, he, he's, he's intimately involved with Scripture. And the way that this man answers this shows me, and should show you, that he does have a lot of information that is quality information. Look at this. He, in verse 20, in 27, he says this, the man answered. This is from the Law of Moses, Old Testament. He says this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, we think that's a New Testament one. No, this is in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Exodus. Way back. God says, I want you to love everybody. Well, and he says, you need to love. Look, this is spot on. This is perfect. Now watch this. In his talking with Jesus, the guy just quotes this. He, He never says he has to look in his Bible. He's an expert, okay? So he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Then the guy hears something that he never wants to hear in his entire life. Look at verse 28. Jesus agrees with him. He says, you're right. Ding, ding. Do this and you will live. Oh, no, 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 no. In verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions. He's still seeking a way out of this. Jesus says, what do you think the law says? The guy says, to inherit eternal life, I have to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus says, you're right. And he says, well, wait a minute. I got something else because I... I, I Look at this. Verse 29. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus. (laughs) Insert sarcasm. And who is my neighbor? He was saying this in a 2016 version. Who do I have to love? There's people that wrong me, Jesus. Who do I have to love? 
See, the guy knew the law, but he was hesitant on who he had to love. You know what he was caught up in? This is a very scary word. This is a very, 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 very scary word. You ready? What you know what it is? This guy was caught up and hung up in legalism. I'm keeping tally marks. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did this. Do you know what I keep a track of in my life? I don't like admitting this. It's God, I did this wrong. And I did this wrong. And when I'm, when I'm praying, these things keep coming up in my mind. And I ask Him to forgive me. And you know what God does instead of being legalistic? You know what He does? He practices grace and mercy. And He says, Matt, I sent my Son to die for you. You chose Him. I will forgive you for that stuff. Don't get caught up in legalism. Don't get caught up in, I've done 17 nice things for God today. Listen. 17 not enough. Well, I'll do 18 tomorrow. There is no number. There is no number that you could possibly conceive in your mind that can justify our wrongdoing without Christ. Nothing. You cannot earn heaven. Jesus earned it for you. He paid the price for you. So this guy, Jesus, was metaphorically doing this. Now, you think about this guy, and he says, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus in this story, before we get into the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus literally, He didn't do this. It's not in Scripture. He did not do this. This is a metaphor. Okay, my metaphor. He simply reached down to the satchel. Jesus probably had a satchel much like Indiana Jones because they're probably the same. Anyway, He pulls out this mirror and He does this. And He puts it right in front of His face. He says, now how good are you? You can't even keep all the laws that you memorized. There is absolutely zero argument from this dude. None. Other than I'm going to... Who? He has no chance. Today, God, in this story, and I'm not talking about a bloody person on the side of the road. Today, God is doing this. You and I, this is what He's doing. He's holding up a mirror and He says, I want you to see you. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if you're on the cover of GQ magazine. You and I looking into a spiritual mirror are absolutely ugly. Unless the blood of Christ is on your life. And then you know what you get to see when you look into the mirror? Something you don't deserve. God says, I'm going to keep changing you until you can look in a mirror and you look like my son. I look in a mirror and said, God, I look like Matt today. This is awesome. He goes, no, 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 no. Let me keep changing. I don't want you to look like Matt. I want you to look like my son. I said, God, but that requires me to love my neighbor. <laughs> Amongst many other things. In verse 30, he goes on. So Jesus replies to this whole thing. This is how we get to this story. Jesus replies to this whole thing. Man, I hope that you, I hope that you really... Just get into this story. This is awesome. Verse 30. Jesus replied with a, with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Ta-da! Da-da-da-da! <laughs> Come on! This is exciting! People go, people go, they tell me, that, I don't want to read the Bible, it's boring. Seriously? There's robbery. There's, there's not gunfights. But people, there's war. There's love. There's romance. There's sneakiness. And he says, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they left him half dead beside the road. Why did Jesus talk about a road? Here's the deal. 
The road is real. You and I can go walk on it. Why would he use that? Because these people knew exactly where it was. He's just being relevant. Some people ask me, I can't believe that you take money and, and, and go into your community and you seek to be this, whatever this word is, relevant. This is not new. <laughs> Jesus was being relevant in, in the things that he talked about. In these parables especially. There's a real road between Jerusalem and Jericho. It's about 17 miles long. It goes up and down and all around. And in some places, there's a 300-foot drop-off of the shoulder. Oh, and there's no rails. Oh, joy! Yes! Let's go walk on the road of death! This road is real, okay? Jesus was, was very real in this. And, and along the road, there's all kinds of caves. I watched a documentary on the History Channel yesterday. You want to know why? Because I like history. So, I was watching a documentary on the History Channel, about one of the things that fascinates me the most about American history. Nobody's going to ask me what it is? I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Jesse James game. I know, you're like, you're a pastor. You guy robbed people, shot people. Listen, it just fascinates me. You know why? Because they don't know all the answers. I'm not going to spoil you if you have that DVR or anything, but they found some crazy awesome stuff. Really cool. But these guys, just like, listen, you know why I use J Jesse James? Because half of you went, oh, I like him. This is relevant. This is exactly what Jesus was doing. There's bandits. There's bandits. Say it's the 2016 Jesse James gang. These are not nice people. They're not nice people. They hold up a gun, they ha you have something they want. This is how they operate. Give me what you have. No. Boom. Then they take it. There's nothing fair about this in the world. So this guy is traveling, a Jewish man. Why did he say Jewish? He was talking to Jewish people. And there's a big time significance in here. The man was beaten, he was left for dead. And this was not a sucker punch for his wallet. He was left half dead on the road. Very important. This road is often highly traveled in times of the year when there's feasts in Jerusalem. Okay, It's highly traveled. It's very dangerous, but it's highly trafficked. Certain times of the year, there's hardly any traffic. So the guy was by himself on this road. He meets up with a group of thugs. They beat him up. They leave him half for dead. But there's good news. Look who's coming down the road. Look in your Bible. The priest. Yes! The priest. Look at verse 31. By chance, a preach. So when Jesus says by chance, it's probably talking about the time of year that it is right then. And he's saying, listen, by chance, somebody's just on this road. Not only is it a person, it's one of my people. It's a priest, somebody that proclaims God. Man. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed on the other side of the road and passed him by. What a jerk. Listen. You're walking. I don't have a concept of what people could do. You're walking along a road. You look over or in front of you. And there's some dude who's got his face pounded in. And not only do you not help him. You go to the exact length to get as far away from him as you can. And you walk around him. I don't get this. But we do this. Oh, no, 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 not me. Don't lie to yourself. 
We avoid situations just like this. Well, I've never seen anybody that's bloody in the, in the street. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about situations that are very hard. Now look, this guy, this priest, would have known what Micah 6.8, they, they read the Old Testament. He would have known what Micah 6.8 says. It says, what does the Lord require of you? It says, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. But he passed on the other side of the road. <laughs> it's like giving an answer in a family feud. Okay? You know what his answer said? <clears throat> Wrong! You didn't do the right thing. You didn't do the right thing. And Jesus tells these people, look at verse 32, and then, if you are an Old Testament thinker, liker, studier, if you, a temple assistant has another name, and if you have a different Bible that says a different thing, I want you to listen to who this is. A temple assistant would have helped give the sacrifices at the temple. This is a big deal. You know what tribe he comes from? He's a Levite. This is a huge deal. He's a high priest. Well, I don't know about the, the Levites. Let me give you a clue on who the Levites is. When Joshua and his group of Israelites were going to go into the promised land, the Levites were the ones that carried the Ark of the Covenant. These guys are legit. <laughs> they are chosen. And he says, a temple assistant walked over and looked at it. No. <laughs> Think about this. Maybe it's my humor. He walks over and goes, oh, yep. About 50% dead. And then he goes on. Look at this. He also passed by on the other side. But he took the time to go over and look. The priest and the temple assistant in another light. Think about this. Jesus was trying to say, listen, just like this man that asked me this question that, that I needed to provide this story, the temple assistant and the priest had the mirror put up in front of them, yet they couldn't see how bad their sin was. I don't need to stoop to that level. Let me tell you something. There will never be a stooping that will overpower the stooping that God, Son, had to do for me. You would talk about royalty getting on His knees and paying for what I did, what you did, Listen, this is, this is the ultimate, there's not any, but when you have that mirror in front of you, and God's word reflects back at you. These guys, these guys couldn't see. So two different people have come by and offered zero assistance. And then, look at, look at verse 33, then. No announcement of awesome, then. No trumpets. Then a look what Jesus uses this word. Then a despised Samaritan came along. Now the Jews that were sitting with Jesus would have been like, that's right, they are despised. We don't like them. We don't exchange Christmas cards. Jews wouldn't exchange Christmas cards anyway. You think about that later. Anyway. It's funny. Anyway, then a despised Samaritan came along. Listen. You think about the person that you don't get along with in, in this life. You think about an ex-mate. I don't care what they are. You have, in, with that person, you have a better relationship than the Jews had with Samaritan people. This guy was the scum of the earth on a good day. Here's some things that they probably, this is what, Israel, this is what Jews would have said. In verse 33, it says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and he saw the man, and he felt compassion over him. But despised would have been a nice word. They also called him this. You ready? 
Low-life, scum of the earth, half-breed. Wow! That sounds like a dinner invitation to me. <laughs> I'm the Samaritan. Or I'm, I'm, I'm the person that's, that's laying there. And, and by other people's standards, I was, they thought I was like the Samaritan in the fact that they, they hated me. And Jesus felt compassion. If there's any other way, God, I'll do it, but there's not. So, so we look at this, we look at this really deep in verse 33. But the Samaritan felt compassion and he loved. This is an action, verb action. He felt compassion, not only to say, oh, I feel sorry for you. He got involved. Connection seeks to get involved with people. Well, I'm a, I'm a to-myself person. I'm not talking about getting intimately involved in your social life. I'm talking about getting involved with our community. You can go to Kroger. Three out of four people that you come in contact with don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What motivates you? Holy cow! You get, you get up in the morning and you, and, you, and you bow your head or you read Scripture and you close your eyes and you talk to God. Three out of four people have no idea what that's about. In Mount Vernon. In Mount Vernon. This is not Africa. There are places in Africa that are more involved with having spiritual experiences than Illinois. You think about that. There are places in China that are growing faster with Christianity than places in the United States. At the Southern Baptist Convention, I met a friend of mine who was talking to, to an, a professor of mine at, at the seminary that I graduated from. And he said, Matt, I want you to meet. And he said his name, and I, don't, I can't pronounce it. It's this long, and it's African. I have no idea what it is. And I said, hey man, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm a missionary to the United States from Africa. He said, I'm studying at Midwestern. I'm going to get my degree, and I'm going to go to a big city with a, with a high African-American population, and I'm going to witness to them and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And I said, I cannot believe you're from Africa, and you're here. He goes, your country's in trouble. You want a slap on the face? There you go. These people are everywhere. Look at verse 34. Look at this beautiful picture. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Now, this is a big deal. Olive oil and the wine did not come from the man that was beaten up. They took all of that stuff. Why did he carry wine? This is going to be the question. Why did he carry wine? The water wasn't good. Yes, he drank wine. Okay? And he used it as antiseptic. Okay? And, he, and he bandaged this dude up. He used his own supplies. Hey, think about that. This road is 17 miles long. A couple things I'm going to want in this journey. Number one, a good pair of shoes. Number two, something to drink. And he gave it. He gave it to him. Then he put the man on his own donkey. No, no, no. This guy had, was wealthy enough to have a donkey and to ride. And now he said, you know what, I'll walk. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just think to yourself. Don't answer this out loud. Don't elbow your neighbor. Don't elbow your mate. When's the last time that you sought to do this? <laughs> don't say, well, I don't have any donkeys. I'm not talking about having donkeys. When is the last time that you really sought to reach people where they were? This is not a brag on Matt, but there's, there are times that I will go 
There's a, there's, a, there's a guy that was in Good Samaritan Hospital this week. I'm friends with his parents. I'm friends with him. Haven't seen him in probably five or six years. His mom lives in Arizona. She writes this desperate plea on Facebook. Please pray for my son. They have no idea what's going on. Man, I could have went fishing. Or did anything else except go to a hospital. They're not my favorite places, but I go. And I went in, and you know what he said? He said, I, I didn't think anybody would come. See, this is what this guy did. He said, listen, I'm going to treat you like I would want to be treated. And he took him to the inn where he took care of him. How long did he stay? Verse 35, answer that. The next day, he stayed overnight. So not only did he give him his ointment, not only did he give him something to drink and he bandaged his wounds, he gave him a free ride. He didn't have to use his own feet to get there. Now, he goes and puts him up in an inn. You know what happens in an inn? They make your bed. Hey, This is not the guy's house. This is an upscale thing. Especially for this, this, this person that would have been beaten. And in verse 35, the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. Two denarius. Ready? It's two days pay. Theological people have studied the going rates. Not at a Motel 8. The Motel 8 of, old, of the New Testament. You know how much money he, he gave him? Do you know how many days he could have stayed there? Two months. Room and board. Think about that. Think about the, get that, just that volume of giving. This room and board. Listen, that's sleeping and eating for two months. This is, a, this is a big deal. Then he goes on, he says, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. The only way his bill gets higher than this is if he orders room service every day. And they didn't have it. Okay? I don't think. So anyway, listen. Look at verse 36. Now, which of these three? So he's already told this story. So which of these three would you say has a neighbor, or was a neighbor to this man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. This, 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 is, not a, this is a no-brainer. Was it the first two or the, or, the, or the Good Samaritan? It was the Good Samaritan. This guy was the neighbor. Verse 37. The man replied. Now watch this. Oh, and now that you know about him, watch this. Read this again. Verse 37. Well, duh, the one that showed mercy. And then Jesus said, yeah, now go and do the same. Why would he have said that to him? Because he, he said this, again, he held up that mirror to that person and he said, realize that you're not perfect and you need me. This is a huge deal. When you understand how minuscule, take the most, you take the wealthiest person on this planet and they are a grain of sand. We, we are minuscule people. We're God's favorite creation. We're His favorite. If, you've ever, if you have other siblings and you weren't the favorite, you're now the favorite. God says, you're my favorite. You're special. I want to have a relationship with you. I don't want you to pass on the other side. Look what I have for you. Jesus explained that loving others as loving yourself is not an easy thing. Even the high priest, the Levite, didn't do it. He held up the mirror in front of this guy and he says, Listen, you may know all the laws, but you can't keep all of them. You're not perfect. When you, you have to utterly realize how desperately you need me. Not me, Jesus. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you something right here. When you come to a place in your life where it is not about you anymore, but it turns into, 
I am absolutely nothing without God, your life will change. It will change. When you understand literally what Christ did for you when He died on the cross and He forgave you of all this stuff, when you realize how little you are and how unworthy you are, it will change. Not a bad catch. Listen, He says, go and do the same. He challenges this. Look in your worship handout. We fall so short. Go ahead and go to the next one. We fall so short, don't we? We fall so short of keeping God's commands. And the standard that was set by the law made it impossible for anyone to follow. Do you know why Jesus came? <laughs> because of that last part. It's impossible to follow all the rules. So we need a go-between, don't we? Thank God. He sends Christ. With this story, Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't laying back in the recliner just telling a good story here. He was teaching depth beyond depth, beyond depth of spiritual teachings. You and I, apart from God, aren't anything. Like the expert, the high priest, the temple assistant. Just like them, you and I cannot keep all of God's command. We can't do it. There's over 600 of them, by the way. You can't. You cannot do it. You can't. So God said, listen, I want a relationship with my people, with everyone. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Not so God loved white people or Americans. God loved the world. <laughs> I'm going to send my only son. In this scripture is a very, very, very sad thing. You ready? The expert of the, the religious law that came to Jesus in the first place, nowhere in Scripture, not one single word, does he even mention being repentant. Not one time. He says, oh, almost like it's unattainable for me to do And he just walks away. Jesus explains to the rich young ruler how he can inherit the kingdom of heaven. And it's like he's giving this trick question. It's not a trick question. God says, my son died for you. This, this is it. Do you want it? That's it. That's, that's the whole question. It's free. Do you want it? Now, wait a minute. You take all of my stuff, you put it in a bowl, you give it to God, metaphorically. He gives me Jesus, He takes my stuff, and He calls it fair. You will never find a better deal than that on QVC, I promise. You won't. You won't, you won't go to any flea market and buy anything on that good of a deal. If you only see this story as love everybody everywhere, I think you miss a great point. This parable, when we read it, should cause us, if you're a follower of Christ, it should cause you to fall to your knees and thank God for what He's forgiven you of. How, how short we fall, how little we are, how insignificant, yet God says we're special. That, those two words in our world don't even go together. It should cause us to repent of the things that we do wrong. We should seek grace. This is hard. We should love mercy. Oh, you know what that means? Some of you have something going on in your family right now. And it's far too big of a group of people to not have this happen. Some of you have something going on in your family right now that it may not even be your fault, but you need to go to that person you need to end it. You say, you know what? We've been fighting about this for a long time. I'm sorry. They may pass out because they know you. Right? 
I, I, know, I know this. I'm like that too. I've went to people and said, I really just want to get over this. I'm sorry for my, for my part in this. I have one person in my life, they said this, they go, what? <laughs> they never thought it was coming. But when Jesus shows you this mirror of how insignificant spiritually we are and what He is, it should cause us to fall on our knees and realize we cannot reach heaven on our own. The very top of your, of your worship handout for the blanks. Jesus' love is limitless. Unending. It's far greater than the Good Samaritan. So if this is something that you say, man, I don't, I don't know about this love. I don't know about this. Listen, I want, you to, I want to invite you to do something. I want you to come up and talk to me after church. Say, I have no idea what this is. I don't know what a relationship with Christ is. You come up and talk to me. We have a couple side rooms. We can sit down and we can talk and I can explain it. Very, very intimate. I want you to understand this. Do we have the uh, offerings? Offering, offerings? Oh, boy. Hmm. Yeah. If you're a first-time person to... You just stay there. If you're a first-time person to, to connection... God does this really crazy thing with our nickels and dimes. I keep asking for nickels and dimes. Yet somehow, God changed them. Uh, in this service, we just took an offering of $162.60. We're going to give eighty-one thirty in two different bags to two people in our, um, in our community this week. And I have some instructions. Uh, if Amanda and Carrie would come forward. There's some instructions. What they're going to do is they're going to take this money out and they're going to they're going to read those instructions. They're going to send me they're going to send me a uh, an email. They're going to tell me the story of what happened. And you know what? God can use anything He wants to bring glory to Himself. And we're just going to ask a little blessing in, in a minute. We're going to pray for these two ladies. We're going to pray for this money that it impacts somebody that just needs to hear that God loves them. Some of you are getting ready to go to lunch. Maybe a little bit. Some of you are getting ready to go to lunch. Listen, the person that serves your meal today, I, I'm huge on this. The person that serves your meal today, before you bow and have prayer, if you have prayer, I highly encourage you to have prayer, no matter where you are. If that person comes up to you and serving your table, I want you to say this. Read their name tag, and then you ask them this question. This can be far greater and more, more impactful than $100. You say, say their name's Matt. Say, hey Matt, we're going to bless our food. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? You know, I've only had a couple people that I've ever asked that question to that didn't have something. Now, I've gotten, I've gotten world peace before. Some being sarcastic. But, but, but they, they're there. And if you go out today, you make an impact wherever you go. Join me in prayer if you will. God, thank you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for this truth. God, thank you. Help us realize with this story, God, that you're wanting to put up a mirror in front of us and let us realize how much we need you. God, there are people all over this place, maybe in this sanctuary right now, that don't know about a relationship with you. They don't know what that means. God, I ask them to just... I ask you, God, to just convict them, let them seek you. God, that they realize that they're sinners and they need your Son. God, this money with these two ladies is going to go out into our community. God, I just pray that you just give them an ease about it. It's, it's not nerve-wracking, God. They just walk up and they just love people like you want them to be loved on. 
God, may we do that. I mean, we go and just invade restaurants and just let people know, man, they just came from church. They had to. God, may we leave this place and the people that we come in contact with say this about us. May they say, man, they were in the presence of God today. Not because of a band or a message, but God, you're here and your spirit's alive. We just ask for that power. God, we ask for the power to be impactful for your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen.